Would you please turn your Bibles to the New Testament and Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be at today. Luke chapter 1. We are in a summertime sermon series. Say that three times really fast. Summertime sermon series entitled Here I Am. And, and we're exploring the context and the circumstances of people in the Bible who said those three words. A few Sundays ago, we introduced the series, and we, we simply said, when you say, here I am, what you're really saying is, I'm available. I'm available. And last week, we made a big splash, and we dove in some deep waters. That was a joke. Uh, if you were here last week, and, or if you don't remember, that, please go watch the video. And uh, we did that with the prophet Isaiah, who experienced the weight of the glory of God and said, here I am, send me. And today we'll take a look at the gospel account of Luke chapter 1 called the Annunciation. Luke chapter 1, we'll start in verse 26 today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, and you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary asked. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is God's word. Well, if anyone is counting, there are 140 days until Christmas. And it's never too early, I don't think, even in August, to say and to wish someone next to you Go ahead. Go ahead and do, look to the person next to you and wish them a Merry Christmas. Go ahead. Yeah. Remember, the message to Mary from, from the angel was not a new message. It was actually foretold many, many years before. In fact, Jesus talks about this in, in John chapter 8. And in verse 56, Jesus, he's referring to his eternal nature. 
and he replies or talks to angry religious leaders, he says in John chapter 8, verse 56, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And then the religious leaders say, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old yet. Um, and you've seen Abraham? And Jesus says, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am, is what he said. Jesus says, people like Abraham and David and others that we read about in the Old Testament knew that I was on the way. They knew that God was going to save the world through a redeemer. And yet Mary, as we read here in our text today, is the first of humanity to hear the name Jesus. She's the first one to get the message that a great salvation is coming into the world through a baby that she will carry. This Jesus is descending from heaven to earth from time and space to save us. And I, I, don't, I think it's kind of interesting to just to read this passage and to think, could we say that Mary, could we say that Mary is the first Christian? I mean, she was the first person to hear the gospel in the form that we know it today. And the first person to receive this good news in faith was this teenage girl. Here we have a 13 to 15-year-old, unmarried, soon-to-be-pregnant girl who has never sexually known a man. And she gets a message from an angel, and she responds to the angel. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about what is this message that she gets, and then what is her response. And so let's look at this. See what the angel's message to Mary is all about. Well, the first point that the angel makes here is that, number one, Jesus is eternal. In verse 33 in Luke chapter 1, the angel says, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And then the angel sort of wants to emphasize this e eternality, the descendants forever, and the angel emphasizes his kingdom will never end. Like, it, it's already begun, and it, it's never, it's never going to end. Jesus Christ's eternal nature deals with the fact that he always existed as the triune God. And from eternity past, with no beginning and no end. Evidence of a rescuer came thousands of years before. We just read it already in John chapter 8. Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Meaning, I was there in the beginning. I, I was part of creation. I was creator. And then John, John writes about Jesus being present at creation to affirm and confirm this in John chapter 1 verse 1 John writes what was from the beginning John writes from the beginning what we have heard what we have seen with our eyes what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life just affirming the eternal nature of Jesus and then Paul writes about Jesus in Colossians in chapter 1 verse 17 Paul writes Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And, and so this is not 
just a person that's eternal. That's the first part of the message of the, of the angel to Mary. He's not just eternal, but number two, Jesus is God himself. This is a remarkable message from the angel to Mary. When, when Mary hears this news, she comes back and asks a question. Like, she's thinking, this child is eternal? And then she's thinking, this child is God? And she says in verse 34 in Luke chapter 1, how will this be? I mean, that's a good question, right? How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I'm a virgin, I'm, I'm not married. And the angel answered, you're not going to need a husband. For the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The child within you, the angel tells Mary, is not just a holy person. There were holy people already that existed, but in fact, in verse 35 of Luke chapter 1, it says, so the Holy One, a better translation from the original Greek would be, so the Holy, and that's it. Not the Holy One, the Holy will be born and will be called the Son of God. The child within you, Mary, will not just be a holy person, he will be the holiness of God himself. And this will be the Holy One himself, assuming a human nature. He will be God himself. And so the first is Jesus is eternal. The second part of the message that the angel brings is Jesus is God. And the third is that in Jesus, God becomes vulnerable. In Jesus, God becomes vulnerable. Verse 31 in Luke chapter 1. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Most High will become a child, a human baby. It, it's impossible to be in an intimate relationship without becoming vulnerable. I remember, this was some time ago, but I remember talking to someone in the church. And they, we sat in my office, it was a private meeting, and he said, I'm thinking about asking her, this girl he was dating, I'm thinking about asking her to marry me, but I just don't want to get rejected. That's a real feeling. I, I, I've heard before, you know, I, I want it, people will say, I want to start dating seriously, but I just don't want to get hurt. And if your goal is to not get hurt, you should forget about wanting to get close to someone, right? I mean, that's the reality of it. There is no possible way to be in a relationship, to, to be in a friendship with someone that's connecting your heart to someone without the possibility of getting hurt. And if you're going to be in a relationship with someone, you're making yourself vulnerable. And Christianity is the only religion that says God has made himself vulnerable to you. God does not love us in some distant and abstract way like he does 
in this idea in other religions. If Christmas is true, if Christmas is true, if Easter is true, and if the gospel is true, then the God of the Bible becomes vulnerable to you because Jesus became a human baby boy. And you can't be more vulnerable than a baby, right? A child. The God of the universe put himself in a position to be fragile, to be overpowered, to be lied to, to be spit upon, to be tortured and killed on a cross. And he was. Why? Why, why would he do that? Because he came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission to pay the price for my sin and for your sin so that you can be forgiven and be in an intimate relationship with the God of the universe forever. And this is the gospel. This is good news. And Christianity says that Jesus is not just a holy man. He is God himself. He's not a prophet, not just a prophet, or not just a man of justice, or a good teacher. I was in a conversation recently with someone that I don't know too well, but I was in a conversation recently, and we were just talking about religion, and he said, you're a Christian? And I said, yes. And he said, I respect that. And I, I just let that pass, and we talked about other things. But I started to think about that this week. He said, you're a Christian, I respect that. It's hard to just respect Christianity. Because the founder said, I am God, and I love you. And, I want, and if you want to have a relationship with me, you're going to have to find forgiveness for your sins because I'm holy. And you can't work hard enough to get that forgiveness, and you can't be good enough to not be a, a sinner. And Jesus said, if you submit your sinful life to me and say, here I am, I forgive you, and because I've always loved you, is what Jesus would say. And if you say, and if you say, it seems to me that the God of Christianity puts himself higher than any other religious follower, the answer would be yes. Jesus is higher. But the Bible, get this, Jesus is higher, but the Bible also says that God puts himself lower than any other religious religion believes that God has ever been. And if you take in your heart that God made himself vulnerable, that he stripped himself of his honor and of his glory and, because, and become radically vulnerable out of love for humanity, I think this will help you understand how to serve others even in your vulnerability. Instead of trying to protect yourself from getting hurt and being vulnerable, you can just lay yourself out there and serve and love and be kind because you will be hurt. But Jesus made himself vulnerable. God himself made himself vulnerable. And that's the gospel.
Dorothy Sayers, Dorothy Sayers writes in an essay, she says, the incarnation of God becoming human, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to be limited, to suffer, to be subject to sorrows and death. He has nonetheless had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He himself has gone through the whole of human experience, from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty, suffered infinite pain, all for us, and he thought it well worth his while. So this is the message that Mary received. But Mary had a response to this message. And so we ask ourselves, how did Mary respond to this incredible message from the angel? Well, the first is this. She was honest with her doubt. Get this. Mary was honest with her doubt. I've heard people say to me, Dean, I'm a skeptical person. Most religious people don't ask a lot of questions. They just sort of dumbly and numbly, they just go to church and read the Bible and just believe what it says. They, don't, they never even ask much quest, many questions, but people will say to me, I'm a skeptical person. But we know that this 15-year-old teenage girl did not mindlessly believe in the angel's message. Take a look at verse 29 in Luke chapter 1. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The word wondered there is so important. So if you could circle that or underline it and, and take a, a note next to that word wondered. The, the word wondered is a Greek word used in accounting. And, and it means to take an audit and to be furiously rational. And so when we read here, she wondered, she was taking an audit, she was, she was being rational in, in all of this. And how rational can you get when an angel visits you and tells you that you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God? And so how do you even calculate all of those things in your brain? You're taking stock, you're, you're thinking things through, you're gathering facts to prove their validity. And so in verse 34, Mary says, how will this be? She asks this question. And Mary's responding in faith, but she's honest about her doubts. I think, I think about intelligent, high IQ, Southern California people, right? And I think Mary is responding exactly how someone like us would respond to a message from an angel like that. Now, check this out, because I think this is very important. If you read earlier in Luke chapter 1, there's a man named Zechariah, and, and he's the father, soon to be the father of John the Baptist. And his, he's married to Elizabeth, who we read in our text today, she had problems conceiving. But then take a look at what the angel says to Zechariah in verse 11 in Luke chapter 1. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him 
And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you were to call him John, and he will be later known as John the Baptist. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm old. My wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have sent, been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now isn't that interesting? In the same chapter, relatives, both conceiving of children in a miraculous way, and Zechariah, the angel says to Zechariah, because you doubt, Zechariah, you will be struck mute until your miracle son is born. But this angel shows up and talks to Mary. And Mary has an honest, healthy doubt, and the angel blesses her and then leaves. Two doubting people in the same chapter. So what's that about? Did Zechariah get a grumpy angel? What happened there? And, and why was Mary's angel nicer? I mean, we could look at it that way. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? There's a wonderful nuance that the scriptures look upon doubt. I think in, in some churches, I hope it doesn't happen here, but in some churches, people will come, have their doubts about something, about God, about the scriptures, about, about things, and they'll say, I have my doubts about God or the, those Bible verses or whatever. And then some older, mature, maybe not so mature, some person, after they hear someone say, I have my doubts, and then they wag their finger at him and say, don't ever doubt. I think what we see here is a kind of doubt that comes with an open mind, and then there's another kind of doubt that comes with a closed mind. There's a kind of doubt that asks questions and wants answers, and then there's a kind of doubt that asks questions, and I, I don't want to hear it. Does your doubt, this is a good question for us here, does your doubt bring you to being open to answers? Or is your doubt a front for an already closed mind? Mary's doubt? Mary was honest in her open-minded doubt. So, the first thing we see in Mary's response is she doubted. The second is she surrenders. Mary never actually says the words, here I am. But she essentially does. In verse 38 in Luke chapter 1, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, Mary knows what's going on here. She has never been intimate with a man. So how is she pregnant? How is she going to be pregnant? And even if Joseph, her betrothed, her fiancé, 
stays with her, people are going to talk. In a traditional culture, in a small town, she will always be seen in a certain way. Either she had sex with Joseph before they were married, which is, a going, against, which is going against God's best, or she was unfaithful to Joseph with another man. And Mary knew all of this would take place beforehand, but she said, here I am. I'll follow God's plan. There's an interesting part, I think. In verse 31, in Luke chapter 1, it says, the angel says to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and then the angel says, you are to call him Jesus. When the angel says, Mary, you're to call him Jesus, she knew at that moment this was different. All of this is very, very different. Why? Why, you ask? Because parents always had the right to name their child, which was a sign of authority. Why? Because the scriptures tell us that parents are to lead their children. So if you're a parent out there, little kids, babies, older kids, adult kids, I think you should keep this in mind. The scriptures tell us that parents are to lead their children. Children are incapable of having the developmental the emotional, the intellectual maturity to lead themselves. And parents have the responsibility and the authority to protect and to provide for and to teach and to equip and to discipline and to disciple and to lead their children. And then one day, when their children become adults, you release them and you separate from them. But what the angel says to Mary, you are to name him Jesus. The angel is saying, Mary, you don't have authority over this child. And Mary then says, may your word to me be fulfilled. And because this will be fulfilled, Mary needs to submit to God. She needs to say, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need the grace of God. I'm available for God to use. See, anyone who wants to be a Christian says the same as Mary. Anyone who wants to be a Christian doesn't say, well, I want to be a Christian, so I guess I should go to church on Sundays. I guess I should follow the rules. I guess I should sing the songs. I guess I should listen during the sermon. I guess I should be more kind and help people more. That's not it. If you want to be a Christian, you say the same as Mary. And if Jesus, if you were real, if you really, really came from heaven to earth and made yourself vulnerable, if you gave your life up for me as my substitutionary death on the cross, as a payment for my sins, then Jesus... I say, here I am. May your word to me be fulfilled. Amen.